Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now... He gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Welcome in. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Check them out at Summerfest. They're doing shows each weekend of Summerfest. And, of course, they'll be back at State Fair and the Expo Building, like always. MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness. We're broadcasting live in the Lakeland University studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Again, learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Start. All right, coming up on Sparky's Midday Madness today, we're going to talk with Sam Dykstra, MLB Pipeline. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, the Brewers' farm system. A- again, because as we get closer to the trade deadline, I think it would be nice if we were all a little bit more knowledgeable on really what assets do the Brewers have down there that they can move uh, at this point. And as we get closer to the MLB draft coming up here uh, this month, it also would be nice to know really positions of strengths, a uh, position of weaknesses within this farm system of kind of where the Brewers need help at uh, with the amateur draft uh, coming up uh, again here, uh, what, in the next week or so. So all of that with Sam Dykstra, MLB Pipeline, uh, in about 15 minutes. Before that, I'd like to talk about what the NFL is up to. And it kind of plays off uh, a little bit on what we were just talking about at the end of the Wendy's Big Show. Uh, and that is the Brewers being on Apple TV or whatever it is uh, tonight. So it's not going to be on Valley Sports Wisconsin. It's not going to be on the MLB Network or ESPN or Fox or TBS. None of those. No, 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 no. You have to have a specific streaming service in order to watch it. And if you don't have it, well, you're out of luck. Okay, fine. So now here comes the NFL. Now the NFL has had their... NFL Sunday ticket deal with DirecTV forever. I, they're the only ones that have had it. It started with DirecTV and it's been with DirecTV for this entire time. And I have DirecTV and I usually have the Sunday ticket and I love it. Okay. Well, there's been talk and speculation that this was going to end when this deal was up with DirecTV. And now today, Roger Goodell talked about it and saying, quote, well, we're continuing them. These discussions have been going on for well over a year. It's an important decision for us because these assets are really valuable to us. I clearly believe we'll be moving to a streaming service. I think that's best for the consumers at this stage. But we have so much interest right now, and there's so much innovation around that and how we're going to be able to change the way people watch football. I think we'll probably have some decision by the fall is what Roger Goodell said regarding the NFL Sunday ticket package. And I I will just say this, right? So Apple apparently is interested. Amazon is interested. Disney uh, is interested in being a part of this uh, as well. Those are three of the streaming services that have interest in this. 
I will tell you right now that I'm probably more than likely not going to subscribe to a new service for a deal that goes on for what? Four months, right? September, October, November, December, and the first week of January. I mean, we're really talking about four months and one day of the week for four months. So you're going to pay a ton of money for that, for a service that you may or may not ever use outside of that time. I don't think I can do that. Now, if it ends up on a service I already have, a streaming service I already have, I have Disney, I have Amazon Prime. If it ends up on one of them, okay, fine. Then I'll see what the cost is and then debate it from there. But I'm really not getting into this whole thing of paying a monthly fee, then paying uh, the fee on top of it for something I'm not going to use outside of essentially, you know, 17 uh, times or whatever the case may be uh, throughout the football season. I think that it's a huge mistake if they go solely with a streaming service. I don't think it's a mistake to go with a streaming service. I think that makes sense. But I think they should go in partnership with some other type of cable provider, satellite provider, whatever the case may be. That would be my suggestion if they were to listen. Meaning you can have DirecTV one of two ways. If you want to pay for the Disney app or whatever, then fine, you can pay for it and you can watch it there. Fine. Because you want to be a cord cutter per se. And I don't want to pay all that money, even though I'm paying the same amount of money with my 10 different apps on my phone or on my smart TV or whatever the case may be. Okay, fine. You can have it your way and you can have it on your app. Then for those people that aren't really into all the streaming services and all this other nonsense that's that's going on necessarily right now. And again, I call it nonsense, but I have apps. I have the apps too. Let's Let's not joke ourselves. But then you also have the ability and option to allow them to do it through one of the other uh, services that they may actually have a subscription to already and are able to watch without any type of issue going forward. I think that split makes sense to me personally. And you can do it where let's say it stays with direct TV, but you don't, you can't stream it, you know, through direct TV's app or whatever. You can watch it on your TV in your living room, hard plugged in, the streaming portion, if you're out and about uh, and you need your phone or whatever to watch it, that goes through the streaming app. If you're at home, you have it there. Um, otherwise, you can stream it on one of their apps. And if you don't have the the cable or the satellite service and you have a smart TV with all these apps excuse me, on it, then you can watch it on, on that smart TV with the app that you have. I think that would make a lot of sense. Personally. Now, I may be on an island on this one because I'm still fighting for the cable and satellite companies here not to go away. Um, but that to me, it works because, man, look, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a young, a young duck because I'm not. But those people that are older and stuff, they aren't trying to be watching stuff on their phones, on apps and every other dang thing. Trying to work a smart TV and all this other stuff. I'll pull their hair out trying to figure all that stuff out. And no interest in doing any of it. So those are the people, by the way, still, that do still have the money and so forth and the wherewithal to spend the crazy amount of money that it's going to cost for, you know, the NFL Sunday ticket or whatever the case may be uh, in order to have it. So why would you negate that whole, I don't know, 50 plus audience, 55 plus audience? They don't want to deal with all this stuff and just wants to watch it on their TV in their house with whatever provider they have. Why go away from them? To me, that doesn't make much sense. Why not cover both avenues uh, so you get the older audience and then you get everybody else to go along with it that, that you know doesn't want the satellite or the cable TV? Yes, Adam. No, I was just going to say this kind of just makes me think about how I, and I noticed this not just in streaming and sports, but kind of just in general. Tech is moving so quick. And I think sometimes when these high tech things come out and they're put out into the public, it's done without consideration for those who just don't have the means or the financial access to that technology. For example, there are electric and normal bikes available around Milwaukee County all over the place. 
But a lot of those stations, they don't have like a kiosk for you to put your card in and take out the bike and go about your way. Well, then you how have do you get a, it? You have to use an app uh, on a smartphone. That's a lot of just, you know, you, you talk about that. That's another thing that annoys the hell out of me is when you park in a parking space in a lot of these cities now, it's all done through exactly. an app. Instead of having, like you said, a kiosk or a box or whatever where you just type in your parking space number, put the card in. Now it's, all right, I have to download this app and, oh, look, I have no room on my phone because I have too many freaking apps. So now I have to delete an app and then have to reinstall that app after I pay for my parking and then delete the parking. I uh, That's all just, yeah. Again, we're just being, I mean, you're not even old. No, but. so which, which is furthers the point that you don't have to be an old person to realize that this is very annoying having to do this stuff. Because, again, these phones only have so much memory. So, okay, I have no satellite and no cable, but I have 20 apps on my phone because I have the app for my kids to watch their stuff on. And then I have the apps of the stuff that I want to watch or whatever. Then I have my banking app. Then I have, you know, if you go to the movies, you got your Marcus Cinema app on there. Then you've got all your grocery store apps on there and all the digital coupons that you can have. Oh, look, the gas stations. Now they all have all their apps and you can do stuff there. Again, nuts, right? So yeah. I, me personally, y'all can go wherever you want. Me personally, I like Speedway. That's my gas station of choice. So I have my Speedway card that's on my key ring, right? Mm-hmm. And it's old and it's tattered. In fact, it just fell off my key ring today, actually. And it's I always hold it up and I scan it. They're always like, you know, you can download an app. I got no room for your app. It's not happening. It's not happening. My Walgreens card that I have... That's on my key ring, too. I know why, because I ain't downloading that app either. So I got, like, 10 of those little keychain things uh, for all your pick-and-save cards. Same thing. It's on there. Do you know how I do the pick-and-save thing? How's that? I call home and tell my girl, hey, look, this says you have to have a digital coupon. She has the app on her phone. She goes in. She downloads it to the card number or whatever else because... Then when I get up there, it's already on my card. I put my card number in or they they swipe my card or whatever, and it's already on there. So she loads it. I don't do any of that stuff. None of it. Oh, see, again, I sound like a grumpy old man. Get off my lawn guy, right? That's what I sound like. But Hey, Solidarity, I'm going to show you right now. Terrible for radio, but I'm going to show you. I have a gas rewards card for my area gas station. Look at this. It's It's torn. It's bent almost all the way through. It's almost ripped off because I refuse to... Like you, download apps to do it instead. I just want to swipe the card, right? swipe the card, but this is not long for this since, world. Since we're complaining about stuff, Let's let, roll. Me, let me complain about something else that drives me nuts. And y'all love these things, and I hate them with a passion. Like, really hate them. And now you get forced to use them because some of these stores now are saying, you know what? We're just going to go to all of these and forget the human being aspect of life. So now, these auto cashier things, I hate hate them hate them literally if i go into a grocery store and i see there are no cashiers and i know there is somewhere else i can go where i know there are cashiers i will turn around walk out and go somewhere else where i know there are cashiers there is a certain brand store that is now popping up and remodeling their stores and i'm not gonna say which one where they're all automated Mm -hmm. don't go there anymore we're all done with that one i don't she'll go and she'll if she if she goes then I'll go, and she does all that nonsense. I don't do it. Because every time I do it, seemingly there's a problem, whatever else. Then it's, well, it's it's quicker. Right. Now I'm in a line of like 15 people long in front of like six aisles of stuff where I'm trying to get in and out of, or other people are trying to get in and out of, all waiting to get into this narrow little space where there's eight machines and everybody's crowded together trying to do it. And then they have like one person in the center of these eight machines trying to help out all these people with their problems. Meanwhile, those 15 normal registers that have existed for years and years and years, they're there, but they're empty. Correct. Save for maybe one or two, and that person, okay. bless their hearts, and usually looks completely frazzled because everyone's trying to get over there. Now, I, I will say, I will, I will also say this. Now, there is one store that I go to regularly, like several times a week, probably, and I'm going today again. Target is one store I never have this issue. I never have this issue. I go to Target. There's always two or three people at Target. A lot of times, more than two or three people running cashiers. I literally wait no more than one or two people. Boom, check in, check out, and I'm out of there. Now, they have the option to go use those other goofy things if you like. Have at it. But I'd rather do this. You want to know what the other thing is? Why I don't like going to those things? Because I'm lazy. 
and I don't want to have to bag my own groceries. I don't have to figure about food-wise what goes in what bag and what goes with this and what goes with that. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Man. I'll take the heavy stuff. I'll put it in the cart. I'll take the soda, the milk. I'll do all that myself. Fine. But separating food and this goes here and that goes there. Oh, to hell with it. I don't want to do any of that stuff. My fiance is the absolute worst at always being on me about hey don't put this in the bag here don't organize it like this we do it like this now in her defense she used to work for that store you just mentioned target so she's got it in her brain they drilled it into her how you're supposed to pack the bags i couldn't care less like you i'm just trying to get out of there i didn't really want to go in the first place i just want to get out right yep exactly right i just want to get out that's it but i don't want to get yelled at when i get home i packed the bag wrong either so I don't want to get home and she'd be like, what did you do? What? This is a mess. That doesn't go with this. That doesn't go with that. I got no, there's no chance I want to go through that. That felt good. I haven't complained verbally about that monstrosity or whatever the hell is going on in these stores in quite some time. And every time I go in there, my blood pressure just rises. And I'm telling y'all, I've already quit going to one store. The rest of these stores stop. keep doing this. You won't see me in any of these stores going forward. No chance. Furthermore, you're also taking away jobs from the people that are actually doing it. Ah, whatever. I'm done with my soapbox. Therapeutic, up next, man. Up next, Sam Dykstra, MLB Pipeline, talking about the Brewers farm system. Strengths, weaknesses, what can they deal from at the trade deadline? What kind of position should they be looking for in the draft? All that stuff, and I'll stop my complaining. Next, Sparky's Midday Man is presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 12:50 a.m. The Fan, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Steve Sparky Fiber with you as we broadcast live from the Lakeland University Studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu/get started. Joining us now, friend of the show, Sam Dykstra from MLB Pipeline, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Sam Dykstra MLB. Sam, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, so let's start first with uh, what we do know. What we do know is you guys just came out with a new like top 100 list in the whole deal, uh, and our guy, Jackson Cheerios, went flying up the list. Tell us what impressed you all so much about him and how he moved up so quickly. Yeah, I mean, one big driver for me whenever I'm trying to dive into prospects is how does a team treat a player? Where do they send them? How quickly do they promote them? So come early May, when we found out Jackson Trurio was being promoted to single-A Carolina, essentially skipping over the Arizona Complex League completely at 18 years old, becoming the youngest player in full-season ball, you know, obviously, a, uh, immediately, a light bulb goes over your head. It was like, okay, so they see, they're seeing something here. Ever since Jackson Trurio has tore the cover off the ball, he's hitting above 300, plugging close to 600 uh, at single A. And again, this is at an age in which he's basically the same age as a high school senior. He's younger than some of the best prospects in the draft class this year. And he's already doing this at single A. Um, you know, speaking to people in the Brewers organization, I did a story that's on Brewers.com right now about Curio. They say the bat speed is incredible. Uh, he has a real innate ability to find the barrel with the bat. Um, you know, he's adjusting to pitches on the outside. So it's not just him hacking all the time. Yes, the strikeouts are a little bit on the high side, but he plays a really quality center field. He can steal bags. He's a plus runner. All the pieces are there to make him a potential five-tool prospect, and when he's doing that already at such a young age, that's how you get helium in our prospect ranks. You know, I I always sit here and I debate, um, and I've debated it with years with Jack Sorensic and Doug Melvin and a lot of other guys that have been on from the Brewers organization about the aspect of taking a high school kid versus taking a college kid in said amateur draft. I mean, if you look back at the Brewers, Prince Fielder, a uh, high school kid, J.J. Hardy, high school, Corey Hart, high school. Uh, then you got a couple at the top. Ricky Weeks was a Golden Spikes winner in college. Uh, Ryan Braun was the third, third baseman in that draft, a draft behind Zimmerman and Gordon, uh, Alex Gordon, uh, college uh, coming out of Miami. Uh, so you have it kind of both ways. Then you look at you know, the pitching aspect of things. Um, And we've seen the Brewers struggle for years, regardless if they were high school pitchers uh, or college pitchers. But my argument always has been, if I take a high school kid, the ability for him to get to the minors or to get to the majors at a much younger level, uh, at the same pace as, say, a college kid who's going to be significantly older 
is much greater and that I get that player for longer, providing I can afford him after he gets through his first several years, um, for a much longer period of time uh, at the big league level. Do you seemingly have a preference one way or the other? I don't. I, I'm always a big, big advocate of when you're approaching the draft, just take the best player available, whoever that is. It, some years it's going to be college guys. Some years it's going to be a high school guy. But if you kind of wedge your your way in to say, hey, we need a college bat here, and then all of a sudden you leave, let's say, the next Mike Trout out because he was a high schooler coming out of New Jersey, well, then you're going to, you know, uh, you're going to really miss out in, in an opportunity like that. So I think, yes, there is something to be said for getting a high schooler in, getting them in your system longer, teaching them your philosophies and all that. But also that means a longer road in which something bad could happen. High school pitching has a pretty bad track record of recent years of trying to think, you know, I go back to a few years ago, Jay Groom was who many people thought the top prospect in the entire draft. He fell to the Red Sox in the middle of the draft, and now he's not a top 100 prospect anymore. He's lost a little bit on his fastball. His curveball is not quite as good. So even these high school pitchers or these high school players in general who you think could be sure things, there's just so much that could happen within five years before they make the majors. So it really depends on the player. Now you look at this year, Drew Jones, I think, is a tremendous player. Tamar Johnson is a real tremendous player. Those guys aren't going to fall to the Brewers in, in the 20s, but uh, you know, you feel comfortable with them just because their ceiling is so high and they are the best players. So I would always lean to who has the best ceiling and go from there. And the interesting thing is if you look at some of these mock drafts uh, that these guys have up there right now for the Brewers, a lot of them haven't taken a, a college hitter at this point. My thing is where are we looking here from the Brewers from a uh, depth per, uh, uh, from a depth perspective within this farm system. Cause if I look, I'm looking at it right now of the eight updated lists and Jackson Cheerio, who we said is one Sal Fralick, who's hitting 288 with a 362 on base percentages to the outfielder who they just took last year, Joey Weimer, uh, who was a sensation last year and started off hot this year, the outfielder. He's third Garrett Mitchell. Hasn't had the best of years after a great year last year, he's fourth, another outfielder. And then Bryce Terang is fifth, shortstop second base prospect yet a lot of what I see is outfielders for the Brewers possibly at their pick in the first round is outfield still an area of of need necessarily for the Brewers because outsider looking in I can't come up with a first baseman in this system that I trust yeah I mean that's that's the thing is baseball is so different from these other sports just because there is so much time between draft day and potential major league debut day so you want to say Yes, like they are loaded with outfielders right now. I remember even coming into the year, talking to people with the Brewers saying, like, how are you going to make this work? How, how are you going to shuffle this? They say, listen, it kind of shuffles its, its own self. We'll figure it out. You end up having like a Jackson Churio who all of a sudden is demanding time at, at single A, and you kind of let that happen naturally. You look where the Brewers are drafting at 27, and I'm seeing the same things you are. It's a lot of mocks with a lot of college bats, and I think that's just where the value is in that era area of the draft so if you end up taking like my colleague jim jim callis had sterling thompson an outfielder from florida yep he's our number 29 draft prospect taking him at 27 makes sense if he's the best on your board because he has the best chance you know let's say garrett mitchell keeps hitting the ball on the ground has injury issues doesn't quite work out sal freelich uh has had a good year but you know injuries could happen to him joey weimer the strikeout issues do limit him at some point at the upper minors well, then, if you take Sterling Thompson, maybe he's the future of the outfield in Milwaukee, and you wouldn't want to leave him off to the side just because you had too many outfielders. There's just too many question marks between draft day and the majors. If if there's a guy you truly believe in, and it's a college bat, and that just happens to be the theme of the last few years, that's the way it goes. Let me tell you the theme that I've picked up on, Sam Dykstra. The theme that I've picked up on... Where are all the first basemen coming up into this draft? Like, <laughs> when was the last time we talked about four or five first basemen going in the first round? I feel like it's a position that everybody's like, eh, I'll take them later. It doesn't feel like it's a it's a position that has been very highly regarded in first round of drafts for, I don't know, quite some time. I mean, yeah, it, it, because when you're talking about college guys, and especially when you're talking about high school guys who are already first basemen, it usually means they're not very athletic. They're probably not going to move positions. You can always move somebody to first base. Uh, that's an easier to move to make in the pros. You might have a third baseman. You might have a corner outfielder who's kind of slow, and you say, listen, we're going to put you at first eventually. Uh, 
uh, but your bat's good enough. We believe in other things. We want to give you that chance. If you're already a first baseman, it's really difficult because the barrier to entry offensively is so high. Now you can clear that. Kansas City Royals, their current first baseman, Vinny Pasquantino, has been a first baseman basically since high school. He was a first baseman at Old Dominion. He's continued to hit and made it work. Vinny Pasquantino was a mid-round pick. I think he was 11th round. Right. So I think teams are trying to find value in first baseman later down the road. And yeah, you can still get a good first baseman in the fifth or sixth round, but if you want those true athletic guys who you can maybe morph into a first baseman at some point, but have the all, all the other skills to provide value on the base pass, value on the field, those guys are going increasingly earlier. It feels like the offensive guard position in football where I don't really want to take a guard in the first round. I can get a good guard in the third or fourth round, or I'll take this tackle and I'll convert him to guard, and then we'll make it all work at the end of the day. Or for a long period of time, safety was that position in the NFL draft where guys would just convert corners to safeties and didn't want to waste a a draft pick early in a draft on a safety, and that's exactly what it feels like for first base. The other position that intrigues me in this whole thing is, what about catcher? Uh, and how deep that is right now in this Brewers farm system. Because at this point, uh, you know, they've been kind of rotating guys in here, in and out since Jonathan Lucroy. What does that position look like for the Brewers right now? Yeah, I, I mean, there's one guy at catcher that I am very excited about for the Brewers, and it's Jefferson Caro, who's our number six prospect right now. Probably might rise a little, a few extra spots uh, by the time we do our midseason update. In August, we'll see how things are going to shake out. But he has caught fire a little bit. Only 19 years old. So when you're talking about the major league situation and can Caro help out this year, that's not going to happen. He's probably at least two years away. But the reports I had on him coming into the year were he's a plus fielder back there. He's got a plus arm. And guess what? He might be a major league average hitter as well. Now he's starting to catch fire a little bit. Maybe could be a little bit more than that. I've always thought Caro could be a, a potential top 100 prospect someday. Uh, we'll see how things are going. And he's 19? He's, his footing. he's 19. Holy yeah, he's turning cow. 20 in October. Wow. Um, so he's a little bit older than Churio, uh, but still doing pretty well at, at single-A Carolina. So he's a name to watch. He's not going to be an immediate fix. It's going to be a while. I'm not as high on Mario Feliciano as much anymore. He still has maybe a backup ceiling, if that now. Uh, what soured you? a name at the catching spot. What soured you on Feliciano? It's just it's gotten to the point where you know if if he was going to be a useful player, I think it would have happened by now in the majors. Yes, he's hitting two ninety eight this year at Nashville, um, but I think you know it's just been kind of too long for him. He's only slugging three eighty eight, and this is a guy who a couple of years ago that was his best skill was slugging. He was slugging close to five hundred. Uh, I just think he's he's a little on the older side. He's twenty three, not too bad. Uh, but for somebody who needs at least average power, he's not showing it this year, and he's kind of lost that skill. You prove my point, Sam Dykstra. You prove my point. He's slightly old at 23. How would you come out of college? You're 21, 22 years old anyhow. So 21 at least. So you're 21. You'd be in the minors for two years at 23, and the perception of him might be completely different had he played college ball before this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. uh, it, It is a little bit skewed when you look at, you know, he's 23, and now he has been in the minor leagues for this is his sixth Right. Season. Um, he's been around a while, and that that's kind of to the other point I was saying earlier is if you are drafted young, you can be in the system for a while. We get to know you, and if you don't catch on for this long, you don't have that excuse of like, oh, I'm still learning the system. Mario Feliciano knows the Brewer system. Again, like 298 is pretty good, hitting 298. It's just he needs to slug at least 400, and he's not doing that. With the trade deadline coming up, uh, Sam, what is the area of strength that the Brewers can deal from if they're looking to deal prospects? Well, you know, it's it's everything we were talking about earlier. It's, it's, they are loaded up in the outfield right now, and that would be the easiest place for them to trade. I'm sure Jackson Trurio at this point is untouchable. That's not going to happen. Correct. Uh, but if you want to kind of swing for the fences and see what other teams think of Sal Freelich, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, you're probably selling low on, but you can afford to lose those guys because you are so loaded at the outfield spot. You know, we haven't even mentioned Hedbert Perez, uh, Joe Gray Jr., Henry Mendez. They have multiple outfielders who filled their top 15 prospect spots. Uh, and if they were to lose two of them, three of them, the outfield depth would still be pretty special. So if you're looking for a place to deal 
And if they want to make a big trade, that's where they're going to probably do it. I love this stuff. I could talk to Sam Dykstra all day. Follow him on Twitter at Sam Dykstra MLB. And, of course, reporter with uh, MLB Pipeline and MILB as well. Sam, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Thanks so much for having me. You bet you take care. There he is, Sam Dykstra on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious, breathe. The Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. This is my theory. My theory is this. If you are a team that stinks and have stunk for a while, I'm drafting high school players. Period. If you are a team that's on the verge of contending or are contending, drafting college players. I'll draft high school players later in the draft. But first two, three rounds, whatever the case may be, I'm going college. Because the reason you go college is because you want that player to get to you as soon as possible in the window that you have to compete to go to a World Series or whatever. And that, in my mind, is part of the reason why they drafted Braun over some other guys in that draft was he was college. Maybe he wasn't going to be an infield or whatever the case may be. But they thought with him there, he could catch up to the fielder Hardy Hart Weeks clan in enough time by the time they got through because they were all high school. He would catch them and come essentially with them or right there after them, and they would all essentially be together. I think that was part of the reason probably why they went with Braun there at that point because, again, he was the third third baseman taken in that draft. Zimmerman and Alex Gordon, Zimmerman to the Nationals, Gordon to the Royals, went before Braun, and Braun went third in that mix um, and then obviously was horrible defensively, and it never worked out. He ended up uh, in the outfield even though he – always talked about wanting to play shortstop. Thank God that never happened. Uh, yes, Adam. No, I was just going to say that makes sense versus if you are a team that's, you know, like your Cincinnati's or your, you know, Diamondbacks or Marlins right. or whatever, you can go after that 17, 18 year old, have him in your back pocket, watch him develop, see his kinks and what can be worked out, yep. what his positives are, but you don't have to worry about rushing him up to the show right away. And maybe six years, even from now, he's 23 years old. He's primed. He's been in your system for half a decade. You know he's going to fit well. If he wasn't, you would have seen it by now. It could have sent him on his way. And then you have a guy who's ready-made for your team once you are ready to compete. No all doubt. makes all sense. No doubt about it. He is AR Adam Roberts, the Sparky Fiverr. It is Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Don't forget, coming up at 3 o'clock, the Fat Afternoon Show with CBS 58 Sports Director Kevin Holden. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. How are you doing? Here on a Friday, weekend is upon us. We're supposed to get all this rain. We're not really getting anything. It was spritzing a little earlier. Yeah, not much. And that's good because there's a lot of baseball and soccer games going on and everything else outside. So I'm glad it didn't rain out everything going on. All right, so earlier today we had Rob Reichel from Forbes and Conley Media uh, on the show to talk about the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, we, we talked about, you know, for Packers to be great, who besides Rodgers really uh, has to have a great year uh, this year. We got into that and a bunch of other stuff. And wait till the end of this interview uh, when uh, we ask uh, the question, 
uh, about how good would this team be if Jordan Love was the starter. You'll be amazed. Uh, So here's Rob Reichel from Forbes and Kylie Media. You know, I might surprise you with this, guys, but and maybe I won't. But you know, I think Rashawn Gary's going to challenge for the league lead in sacks this year. I, I really I'm do. With I, that. I, I, I'm with that. I, 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 you know, I, I think there are three or four proven commodities already on that defensive side of the ball. Spark, obviously, they they have an elite nose in in Kenny Clark. They've got a top yep. three corner and in, in Jair. I mean, that they, they've got playmakers at every level. It should be a top five defense, but but the guy who I think is ready to really take a monster leap um, is, is Gary, and and we've seen that spark in, in guys. You know, the last the last couple of years as his as his pressure numbers have gone up, but you know his his sack numbers have obviously too. And what he, what he has to do, he, I think he was second guys in the league last year in pressures, but you know maybe twentieth. I don't have it in front of me. Twentieth, twenty fourth, something like mm-hmm. that in sacks. Mm-hmm. If he, he guys, even you know, and, and his pressure numbers were off the charts. Even if he can take ten or fifteen or twenty percent of those pressures and turn them into sacks, you know, not, now we're going to start talking seventeen, eighteen, twenty sacks. You know, TJ Watt kind of numbers, things like that. So I think Gary's a guy who has to be great, Sparky, and the and the other guy who I think has to be great is probably Aaron Jones on on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's going to lead the team in catches. You know, we we, we spend all this time talking about. Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins and, um, you know, Alan Lazard and things like that. I think at the end of the day, though, I think Aaron Jones is probably going to catch 80 balls. He's going to push 1,000 yards on the ground. Mm. He's probably going to find his way to the end zone 15-plus times. Um, I, I think he's going to turn into their number one wide receiver, even though he's, he's obviously not announced in, in that position. And, and, and guys, I mean, I, I think we're really going to see a Packer team this season um, you know, that pushes 50-50 in the run-pass game. It, it, it's been 58-42 in terms of the percentage since LaFleur got there. 58% of the time they've thrown the ball, 42% they've run it. You know, with, with, with the Jones-Dillon combo, um, I, I think, and in, in really the questions they have at wide receiver, you're going to see a, a huge focus on the ground game and Aaron Jones in the pass game. And I, I think that run-pass ratio creeps closer to 50-50, guys. And I think Aaron Jones has a year where, where if you're a fantasy football owner, guys, in a PPR league, grab him early because he, he's going to have 75, 80 catches, 800, 1,000 yards on the ground. And, you know, like I said, I, I think he's going to find the end zone once a week. Robbie, I, so uh, Robbie oh, oh, go you, ahead, go ahead, Gary. Get you so, number. Robbie, I agree with you with both your picks. Now, I picked Quay Walker on defense because I'm assuming – that Gary's going to do that. Q-dub. If Quay Walker can give you anything, he's not the focal point, but if he can give you anything outside of Preston Smith and what you're going to get for Rashawn Gary, I think puts his defense on another level. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I think the question was who needs to be great, right? And and I right. don't think Walker will be ready to be great, Gary. No, you know I, I think he could he could certainly be great by 2024. Um, right. You know I but I think there's going to be a year or two learning curve at at that position. I, I you know I I think him and you know obviously Wyatt the other first round pick both have unbelievable long term upside potential. But to ask them come in, you know, to ask Wyatt come in for example and get 10 sacks or Quay Walker to come in and make 130 tackles, you know that that might be a lot to ask, but. But there's no question. They they haven't had an inside linebacker duel duel like this, right? In 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 well more oh than a God. decade, probably back yes. to that Super Bowl team in in 2010. I mean, the, this pairing of Campbell Walker that that they're going to have, you know, should border on on elite. Maybe you know, maybe not the first six or eight games of the year, but but I think certainly by the last quarter of the season and and maybe the postseason, Gary. Um, you know what what. You got you guys know all his measurables. I mean, Walker's you know athletic ability and his his traits are off the chart. I I just think it's it comes down to the mental side of things. How how quickly right. he can learn it. How quickly Devontae Wyatt can learn it up. You know up front too, Gary. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean long term, those guys are both going to be elite players. I I think and and certainly by the time the postseason gets there, they, you know they might have some learning curves early and a couple of bumps. But, guys, I think by the time the postseason gets here, you know, you're looking at a defense that should be keeping most teams in the 17 to 20 range week after week. And I don't care if that's the Rams or the Buccaneers or, or the Cowboys. I, I just I think this is going to be a top three to five defense without question by the time we get to December. Oh, you, you want to follow up, Gary? 
I think I'm good. Yeah, uh, Rob, I want to get into some drama. All this other love fair, we talking about all this. Now, let's get to some drama. Now, I really need you to put your thinking cap on for this one because this is something me and my two nephews we've been talking about for the last two weeks. Who will miss who most? Will Devontae Adams miss Aaron Rodgers because the guy used to get 170 targets a year? Or what? Aaron Rodgers said, man, I showed Miss Devontae Adams, boy, but these young guys getting on my nerves. I don't know what they did. They my best receivers out of Lazard. Why? I'm just confused. So who do you think will miss who most? See, I'm a I'm a big car guy, Leroy. I, I think I think he's a top eight to ten quarterback. Whoa! But I I mean, Whoa. but but there is but there I mean, but Aaron's a top three guy, right? So right, a, right. Yeah. You, you ain't got to say that. Just I mean, stay with Carr. You good? Just go ahead. Yeah. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, it, I like it. It it it, it, it it it's going to be a boring answer, but I'm telling you, Leroy, they're both going to miss each other immeasurably. Um, I, I, you know, what was Devontae last year? I, again, I, I think he was 123 catches, 169 targets. Mm. You know, what we're, we're talking over, over the last four years, oh you know, he's God. averaged 13 touchdowns a year, 110 catches, you know, 13, 1400 yards. He's not going to put up those kind of numbers with Carr, And I think Carr is really good. I, I mean, I really do. Um, but you know, Devontae is probably going to fall to that 90 to hundred catch range. Um, you know, maybe 1,200 yards and eight to ten touchdowns, something mm. like that. I would, I would think, you know, with Carr, and then they may even force feed him the ball to try to boost up those numbers. But, but, but I, I just, I, I think it's going to be really hard because because Aaron is Aaron is that good. But, but on the flip side, Leroy, I mean, I'm telling you what, and, and you hit it uh, with with a few of those. I mean, look, he mentions Lazard as his number one wide receiver. That's a four six five guy, right? Sammy Watkins thought he was out of football as recently as February or March, and you know, we we don't know what he has left in the tank. He and Randall Cobb are both coming off years where they had career lows in virtually every category, and um, you know, and 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 now let's talk. You know, now let's go to the rookies, and and we know Aaron's never bonded or or developed relationships quickly with the rookies. Now maybe he has to more than ever this year because in the in the past when they when they brought some of these guys in, uh, right, a, a, a James Jones, a Randall Cobb, a Jordy Nelson. Um, even the Devonte Adams, there were always two, three guys ahead of them in the pecking order. I mean, by by December, January, Watson could easily be their their most viable target, and 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 a guy that Rogers has to probably get in sync with pretty quick. But but I think for you know a couple of months at least, Leroy, some of these rookies are going to drive him nuts, and, and and we know how we know how that goes with Aaron. He he doesn't hide his emotions whatsoever, and when it comes to that, so I, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day. The, the the Packers will be okay, but but I'm telling you, Leroy, they're 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 going to miss the heck out of Devontae Adams because when when you get to those games in in January and and you've got to go get a you know find find a way to score 27 points to beat Tom Brady or something like that, I I just don't know if this current group of wide receivers has it in them to go ahead and score that amount of points. Yeah, real quick, I got about 30 seconds, but I've been advocating for a while that Matt Lafleur need to sign an extension and be one of the top three highest paid coaches, maybe the top two, but I understand the Super Bowl conversation. Um, do you think, if you had to guess, do you think they'll extend him? I think it will get done this summer. Or do you think they'll let him play this year out, go into next year, and be a lame duck coach and just kind of just let him play it out? No, they'll, they'll get that done, Leroy. They, they hit a home run with that hire. I, yes, I know the did. playoff losses have been disappointing. They're two and three in the postseason under him, but they're thirty nine and ten, you know, in the in the regular season under this guy. Thirteen straight wins or thirteen wins three straight years. Doesn't happen. It it just doesn't happen in the league, Leroy. And and, and you know, and we know that you know, they were coming off back to back losing seasons and what he's been able to do I, I think speaks volumes. He's just gotta find a way to take it up a notch in the playoffs. That's not all on him. You know, some of that special team, some of that's the quarterback that, you know, that there's, you can point a lot of fingers and, you know, but at the end of the day, LaFleur has got to find a way to, to get this team to a Super Bowl. But they, they would mm-hmm. be nuts, Leroy, though, not to extend him. I want to talk about your wide receiver uh, preview uh, that you did for four. It was very well done piece. And you, you made the comparison that a lot of fans uh, make when they call in uh, to the Wendy's Big Show, which is comparing that year without Sterling Sharp, but that first time for Favre had to play without Sharp, to what Rodgers is going to go through now. 
I, I guess I'm, I'm going to ask you to compare and contrast, you know, that roster that Favre was dealing with versus what Rodgers has to deal with now. Probably a little more depth on this group, and Leroy remembers that season, I'm sure, extremely well. It was the year before they won the Super Bowl in 96. But, you know, probably a little more depth right now with this group, but nobody on the rise um, like that 95 team had with Robert Brooks, uh, Sparky. You know, Brooks mm-hmm. was in his fourth year that season. He was emerging. He was kind of coming into his own. And, and I don't want to say they didn't miss a beat, uh, after losing Sterling Sharp. But Robert Brooks was ready to step into that role as a number one. They, 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 they probably had better tight ends at that point in time than they do at this point because we just don't know enough right now about, about Robert Tunyon. Uh, but, but, you know, but, but they, they didn't have a – you know, Freeman was a rookie that year. I think he only caught eight or ten passes. Uh, that, that They signed Antonio Morgan. Um, you know, the, the, the group top to bottom wasn't, wasn't great after Robert Brooks. I, I do think there's more depth and, and some potential in, in this group right now. Sparky, I, you know, I think one or two of these rookies, by the time we get to the second half of the season and certainly the playoffs, are going to become pretty reliable and viable options. You know, the, the real question becomes, to me, early on, you know, when, when you're leaning on the Lazards, when you're leaning on the Cobbs, the Watkins, just what do those guys have left, right? What what can they, what can they give you? Can any of those guys line up and be the number one corner? Heck, some of these guys, Sparky, can they line up and be the number two corner? I mean, and, and that's going to be the fascinating thing to watch through training camp in the early part of the season. Um, you know, I, I think there's enough depth there, Sparky, like I said, that it probably remains the top, you know, 12 passing offense in the National Football League. But But the real question becomes, you know, who can emerge? And then when you see a, a really high, high level defense in the playoffs, which let's be honest, that's all that matters to Packer Nation, right? Mm-hmm. What, what do you right. do against the Rams in January? What do you do against the Buccaneers? What do you do against the 49ers? Can they move the ball effectively in the air? Uh, because even with Devontae last year, Sparky, they couldn't do it. Right. So no, you're right. They do it. Rob, we got to, we got to do it this year. Rob, we got to roll real quick, but I, I just need a number. Roll. That's all. I got one more. I need a number because we got like 20 seconds. Okay. Just a number. <laughs> Yes, sir. How many wins would this Packers team have this year if Jordan Love is starting all year? Ten. What the hell? <laughs> I should have led with that question. Exactly. Now we're gonna have you on again to have See that ya. conversation. Told you. Ten. Told you. What? Yep. What is right? Still can't believe he said ten. And uh, Gary demanded that we have him back on immediately versus waiting till next week or something. So uh, he ended up coming back on after the long break at the top of the hour. So he actually came on again at 1206 uh, and explained himself on that 10 win proclamation with Jordan Love as a starting quarterback. Uh, if you want to hear his explanation, then a whole nother segment with Rob Reich. will just simply go to bigshownetwork.com or hit rewind on your Odyssey app in studio. <laughs> Oh, man. New threads I, today. I, wish, I like these. I really wish Kevin Holden worked here every day because the entertainment value of every day of him walking in. Like me, I wear the same five or six things. That's about it. Holden has something new and unique and different every single day of the week. We'll tell you what Kevin Holden is wearing next. You know, you realize some things <laughs> in life at different moments of your life. Sometimes you know somebody for a long time. And you think you kind of know him. And then later in life, you realize that, no, maybe I didn't know him as well. Bonamago Jr., Tim Shea, (laughs) is really interesting. So he's the executive producer for Kevin Holden today. And yesterday, him and Holden sounded like a couple on the air. They were, oh, you remember when we did this and we were together here and da-da-da-da-da. And then they had like a squabble with Andrew Wagner on the air because <laughs> Wagner wasn't invited to their little get-togethers. And then Tim Shea Bonamago got mad because he wasn't invited to the fire pit parties or whatever. Okay, back and forth they went. Right, fine. Now, in this break here, him and I go back and forth. And as he walks away, I realize I feel like I'm arguing with my girl at home. That, that's what it really kind of felt like. So I think that if you're friends with Tim Shea, it just has that feeling, Kevin Holden. Oh, it does. Like he's your significant other and you're just kind of haggling with that person. Yeah, you see. You, so you have like Blaze and you have him. I, yeah, I have two. I have, see, if I worked here full time, we would call him my work wife. It yes. Was, that's, right. Yeah. That, that's what it would be. That's what it would be. Because yeah. because we we bicker. And and as you, as you pointed out yesterday, sometimes uh, Timmy and I are, are known to you know 
drink a beer or two at an establishment and <laughs> time or two and sometimes yeah. sometimes when that becomes more than one or two so you know we'll bicker a little bit sure. then it'll happen yeah absolutely yeah he uh one time i i got i got upset with him because he was at, at this place that's literally around the corner from where i live and he right. didn't say anything and for the next week he would facetime me at random times of the day and i would pick it up and he would go hey i was just letting you know i'm driving through your town click what a jerk. For a week, he did that. And you still talk to him? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. What is that? I mean, I- I'm proud to say I've seen the man drunk multiple times in my life. And, I mean, it was a long, long time ago, mind you, when I, I was out drinking as well. And he'd be like, hey, it's Marty. What's up? Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been through the Tim Shea experience. And it is quite the experience. It's very he gets junior going. high. When he gets going, it is quite the experience. Like it really is. I yeah, guess that's what it is. It, oddly enough, it's a bartender that said that we're like junior high kids. Yes. I, while listening to yesterday, I would agree. Yeah, I, I think I'm right. You're right. All right. So what do you got coming up on today's show? It's going to be a big one today. Bart Winkler is with us. We're going to have a lot of fun. Of course, draft mockery. Did you say with, junior high? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bart Bart's, <laughs> fits right in, doesn't he? Yeah. And we're talking, uh, we're also talking rivalries too, because oh. so we when we were talking earlier today, Timmy and I just set this thing up. We were talking about Brewers big rivals. And I said, look, there's to me, there's one team in the central that's a, that's a their biggest rival by far over another. You and I are going to disagree. And and he is with you. Yeah, look. He's I, with you. You're going to say Cubs. Nope. You're going to say Cardinals. Yes. Then you're with me. Okay. I, I'm I'm definitely Cardinals. And um, and I've said it before on the air. Like, I understand the hatred for Chicago and everything involving Chicago and all that. I get it. Right? I've grown up here my whole life. I get it. Can't stand the Bears. Uh, hated the Jordan Bulls. Uh, went through the crap with the White Sox. That was a real rivalry, by the way. When the teams are fighting each other every time they play, like the Brewers and White Sox were at County Stadium. And then you have buses leaving from Kenosha for Kenosha night at County Stadium, and the White Sox and Brewer fans are fighting on the bus there and fighting on the bus on the way back. That's a rivalry. That's real. This Cub stuff, throw a beer here, throw a beer here, brawl here, brawl there. Eh, not as bad as it was with the White Sox. But still, I get it. It's Milwaukee, Chicago, right? The Cardinal thing. To to me, it's the arrogance of. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.